This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. This episode of All Possibilities is powered by Sennheiser, the future of audio. Would you be willing to leave everything you've built as people tell you you're crazy for doing it because you've had a realization that your work may be harming the planet? Coming up, meet Susan Correa, who did just that. She's the CEO and founder of the apparel brand Art and Eden, offering remarkable children's clothing sustainably made using organic cotton and low-impact dyes. You'll discover how she was a part of building two multi-million dollar fashion companies, and then how her education on ecological impact of fast fashion led to creating a sustainable fashion company that is part of the solution. You'll learn about the serendipitous moments she's experienced in business, how her rational mind meets her intuitive mind in business decisions, her commitment to helping children in poverty, and I offer her an intuitive reading about a flower that brings Susan full circle. Welcome to the All Possibilities podcast. I'm your host, Julie Chan, intuitive life purpose coach and founder of Being My Purpose. Together, let's embark on a discovery of all possibilities. Susan, thank you so much for being on All Possibilities today. I am so fired up to be here with you, Julie. Looking forward to having a lot of fun. Let's start off with what brought you here in terms of your professional career. What were the moments that inspired you to create our meeting? That's a very interesting question because um, I never got up one day thinking that I'm going to start a new company. In fact, that was furthest from my mind. Um, I was building and leading two multi-million dollar companies and my life was on cruise control. And really nothing needed to have changed with that format. Uh, my professional life was exactly where I wanted it to be. However, in my personal life, I was searching for a deeper meaning to life. I really was trying to seek out to find out what on earth was I put here for and what would my legacy be when I was not no longer here. And these were questions that were really um, something that was close to my heart. And I, I was looking for ways to find answers to these very questions. And that led me to a school in Bangalore in India, where um, I came to learn that uh, children from the neighboring slum districts from where the school was, uh, were serving a hot, nutritious meal to the students. For most of those kids, that was the only meal of their day. And students would come for that meal, get educated, and their lives were changing. And I read that blog post and I said, I want to be responsible for that meal. So it was July um, 18th, 2014. I landed at the school with the sole intention of making a difference to the life of those kids. But that was the day my life completely changed. Um, I realized uh, business could be used as a force for good, that it was just so amazing to care uh, about community. And um, I think it was the positioning of that experience with a very powerful book that I was reading. I was reading uh, Seth Godin's Lynchpin, and uh, I had just finished reading A Curious Deception by Seth Godin. 
And his whole uh, central theme, as I picked up from the book, was the journey forward as as business leaves the industrial world and gets into an ecological age and an age of connection. How do you build with the intention of giving your best gifts to the world? How do you build something that's best for the world? And I started to embark on really trying to find answer to that. What is best for the world? And putting my best gifts into the world mean in my business of fashion. And a two-year study out of the business of fashion from seed to shelf. And uh, everything that business could be led me to the build-out of Art in Eden. It was a lot of different, um, very serendipitous moments that uh, transpired to make that happen. And uh, just just really beautiful business has emerged from that soul-searching of what business could be and what I could become. Mm, beautifully said. Ooh, there's so much to unpack there. So you had talked about you were leading multi-million dollar companies and and you were on this search. Was it what, – what was that like? Was it one moment where you realized, you know, my life looks – this way and and you started looking inward or was it a growing nagging feeling in the back can you describe that to us what was what transpired so my uh, life is surrounded by people that have done incredible work with impact like really magnanimous acts of generosity uh, from very close home my brother uh, his whole uh, journey has been one that has been uh, really dedicated to finding his purpose and serving the poor and the needy of communities around India, um, as well as friends right here in the U.S. have done really great work with impact. And um, so it wasn't a wake-up call one day that I needed something to change. I think it was a slow, transformative. It almost felt slow and yet sudden because it was um, a continuous uh, witness to how making a difference really brings such an exceptional sense of joy. And uh, just just watching their work um, made me desire to do something more than just seek out success in life, just seek out profit as the only purpose of life. But how could how could I transcend this and and just allow myself to share the joy that they have by virtue of caring for another human being in such a deep and meaningful manner? So uh, it's been it was I think a period of over ten years now that I have been watching this and wanting it to happen. But I thought that that place was when I retired, that when I either had a lot of time or a lot of money, that's when I'll make a difference. And um, it was this uh, reading of this blog post that compelled me to act then. Um, But I think it was a work in progress. Okay. Yeah, I can completely understand the notion of, you know, a lot of people think of purpose or, or making an impact or leaving their legacy Towards the end, it's like once my life looks great, once everything is figured out, then I'll think about it almost like a luxury. But it definitely is something that can be present and channeled in in beautiful ways in the now. Tell us what uh, Art and Eden does and how how you um, thought about it strategically, maybe, or you know how you put it together. So um, on my flight back. To New York from that very eventful trip, um, launching the meal program in India, I wrote to my colleagues uh, saying, is it possible to build a business that's best in the world by first focusing on whether it could be best for the world? 
And I had to then start to unpack that and really try to take this very conceptual, almost utopian idea of best for the world in the business of fashion to how does this translate to reality? And so I embarked on an almost two-year study of the business of fashion, everything from how do we source our seeds to treating our farmers, to treating our tailors, our teams, this planet that we're going to leave for kids to come. And how can we care more about communities? How can we magnify and bring goodness to everything we do in the um, execution of our business journey? Uh, the whole idea of starting out the study was to try and figure out how could I take these this input and implement it into the current businesses that I was running at that time. I had no intention again to start a new business. And and were those businesses in fashion? Or yes, something? they were both in fashion. So I was a product and production solution for businesses across the spectrum of the U.S. market. So in my career, I've possibly worked with at least 70% of the U.S. major retailers um, being a product and production solution at one point in time or the other. And um, so, yeah, so that that's how it all started. And I started to embark on the study of the business of fashion. And I was appalled by the stats that came up, like appalled. Um, I always say that, um, you know, many get to enjoy a, a career. I got to live out a calling. I loved every day that I've spent in the business of fashion. And my journey has morphed globally from India to Europe to Canada to the States. And I've really, really enjoyed my journey. But once I started deep diving into the facts and figures and the impact of fashion, I was, I was like stunned into a reality that I couldn't do this anymore. Can and you give I, us examples for people who may not think about the impacts of fashion on a day-to-day -day basis? So one of the first documents that I opened up was um, the deadly chemicals in cotton. And cotton was the fabric that I was... I think at least 80% of the work that I did was in cotton. It occupies 3% of global farmland, 25% of the world's insecticides, 16% of the world's pesticides are used in its farming. Uh, about 20,000 farmers lose their lives every year to pesticide poisoning. Right here in the US, 67 million birds are lost every year to pesticide spraying. So the facts were just so staggering. And... For me, the most, the most difficult part was I am part and parcel of the systemic issue, the realization that dawned upon me that, um, you know, for years I conducted business in fashion, never once stopping to think about impact. And now that I knew the facts, it was very difficult to go back to business as usual. It was very difficult. And for the first time, I felt like my joy that I had experienced all these years in the business was no longer there. Um, you know, I, I always teach my kids, like from the time they were little, that I can only teach you right from wrong. When the time comes, you'll have to choose what you decide to do. You can choose right or you can choose wrong, but you'll have to bear the consequences of whatever your choice is. But I can only teach it to you today. Tomorrow you're making the choice. And I was confronted with the very thing I taught my kids. Like, today I know right from wrong. Up until this time, I was blinkered in my pursuit of profit. But today I know right from wrong. And what will my choice be? Will I go back to business as usual as a safe, secure way? Or will I seek a new way forward? So this was the juxtaposition that I was in post, you know, uncovering the data and learning more about 
the systemic issues of the industry. Mm. So how do you, I don't know, go go the opposite route and create a sustainable, you know, good for the planet business then? So it was, I think, the most difficult personal and professional decision of my life. Um, here I have two multi-million dollar businesses that were on cruise control. And now I have all this data that tells me that this is not what I want to do anymore. Um, and everybody who I had shared this idea with that I want to take a new path forward told me I was completely, I had lost my mind to exit two multi-million dollar businesses to start a journey on a path that I don't know whether it was going to work. Um, I think coupled with the difficulty of the decision was also the fact that I'm the sole breadwinner of my family. I have uh, an amazing, amazing husband who's Mr. Mom and looks after our two awesome kids. And so uh, here I was sitting with this decision of knowing that I want to change, being the sole breadwinner of my family, exiting two multi-million dollar businesses, meandering into a path I don't know whether it's going to take off. So lots of very difficult decisions, uh, very uh, pivotal and life-changing decisions. I was in Boston in, on the 31st of July, 2015. And I got a chance to meet Mike Volney. He um, was the vice dean of Harvard's public health division. And it was a breakfast meeting that I was engaged with with him. And he asked me what I thought was the future of business. And I said to him, I think this is very intriguing that you asked me this question because I'm just trying to figure it out in my head. Um, and I, I walked him through the whole journey about how this whole experience at the Hope School, my study out of the business of fashion, and how I'm standing at this point where I have to make a choice and um, how difficult the choice was. And he asked me, what's keeping you? And I told him what's keeping me from, you know, when he heard about the business idea. He said, it's, it's so beautiful. It really needs to come to life and you must bring it to life. What's keeping you from making it happen? And then I said to him, you know, on one side, I have this beautiful business idea, which I really want to embark on. But here are all the reasons, you know, that are stopping me from it. And um, he said to me, you know, you've got to make it happen, Susan. It's, it's, you haven't chosen it. You haven't chosen to build this business. It's chosen you. I can really see how life has played itself out to bring you to this point where um, something beautiful is, is going to emerge from. And I'm here to support you and go make it happen. I really think you need to bring this to life. And it was really amazing because everybody I met to that point, friends and family told me, don't do it. And here was a, a gentleman I had never met in my life before, met him for the first time. And he says, go make it happen. And um, he, was, he was a man of, he is a man of incredible faith, um, integrity. And it just was like, I can trust, I can trust this advice. And I was like, that was the most powerful 60 minutes of my life where I decided to take the leap and uh, build this new business. So that was the pivot point that changed everything. Can you share this, like what, what exactly is the, the business and the, the beautiful, you describe us this beautiful idea. And also what were those, I'm assuming, very rational reasons of that you were really grappling with at that moment? Yes. So Art in Eden is really business reimagined. Uh, it's a 360-degree viewpoint of how business needs to be built. 
Um, so building a product that's right for the planet, making sure that it's built in systems that care about their teams, bringing it into the world in, in a way that does not diminish the planet or does not deplete it of its resources, but really works to enhance uh, the whole ecosystem and how a percentage of the profits can be used to better our local and global communities. So we do, uh, it's a beautiful, sustainable children's clothing line. So it's made without insecticides and pesticides. It's made with organic fabric. Should we use polyester, it's recycled or upcycled. It's not virgin polyester. It's all of our packaging is done in biodegradable poly bags. We work with a community of artists from around the world that work with the prints that we use on our clothing. So it's just like this really, really beautiful product and a percentage of the profit. We do a mentorship program here in Camden Street School in Newark in New Jersey, and we've committed to a medical and multivitamin program ac across Central America. So you're using a, a small percentage. It's not a huge percentage, but it's a part of our profits that go. So we committed to a million multivitamins in the first year of our business and 7,000 doses of albendazole to uh, Nicaragua, Guatemala, Honduras, El Salvador, and Tijuana, and we delivered that. And uh, we would continue to do medical programs to help children in need. So that's, that's Art in Eden as a business model. And um, I don't think once I started to, once I studied out what the, what the business or the journey of fashion uh, meant in terms of its impact on the planet, I don't think there was any doubt in my mind that this was the path forward. This was the right path forward. I am an incredibly passionate person, and I think that's my fuel uh, on why I've enjoyed my journey so much. And I knew that if I had to continue in the business, I had to find that joy back. I had to find that passion back. And this was the path forward of, you know, grappling with whatever financial risk. I knew that, you know, if I, if I did not make the business a success my children would still have a home and they would still have food and they would still have all, you know, what life had to offer, maybe not as grand as they currently were, but they would have all the, you know, amenities of life. And it was a chance that I would rather, you know, have tried and failed than failed to have tried. Up next, what it really means for fashion to be good for the planet and how Susan marries her rational and intuitive mind in making important decisions. have a story or a comment you'd like to share i'd love to hear from you follow the show on twitter instagram and facebook at all possible show you can also connect with me directly at my own website beingmypurpose.com hello world i'm george manley senior vice president of sales and marketing for solar i have a background in broadcast journalism i've traveled the world and i love to write but more than any of that, I love to have great conversations with interesting people. And I love to learn their stories. I am so thrilled to be working with really interesting people in the social commerce space as a result of this show. Solar is a place where brands and influencers create content to share with their consumer public. Each week, I'll be presenting a story from an interesting person in this space, 
And the goal is to learn something more about how this industry is evolving. The goal is to learn something more about the creatives behind the creator influencer space. And the goal is to celebrate the community that is quickly forming on solar.com. I hope you'll enjoy this show. I hope you'll enjoy our conversations. I hope you'll give us feedback. And if your story is interesting enough, I hope you'll join us on another solar story, the art and business of influence. Solar Stories is presented by Solar Inc. And you can find more episodes of Solar Stories and learn more about solar at solar.com. Copyright 2018, Solar Inc., all rights reserved. Thank you for listening. During that time, I think it's, I feel like you learn a lot when you you have to start a business and then if you last the first couple of years, it's really a time of learning and iterating. What have you learned during that time that you think other entrepreneurs will uh, need to hear? It's a constant learning. Um, We're learning new things every day. Um, I think one of the most important thing in any business is to have process um, sorted and in place. I think a lot of entrepreneurs have fantastic ideas. It's how do you build that idea? How do you see it to market? And how do you make sure that there's a product to market fit? You could build a great great product, but it has to have um, a reason to be in the market. So really understanding your why, why do you need to exist in a world of plenty? There are so many brands out there and so many products out there. What is your most compelling reason to exist? And then if you have a compelling reason to exist, how do you produce it and bring it to market and make sure that it's a product market fit? So uh, dotting the, um, the, the, the I's and crossing the T's around product process and product market fit, I think, is a very, very important part of bringing something to life. You had mentioned that you don't use insecticides, and um, and I, I'm not so familiar with with the other options or what the financial differences are. Was that something that was difficult for you to to figure out? Just navigating, you know, finding the the right farmers, the the right uh, quality checks that you'll have to do. So uh, the first the first half of my study that I did from seed to shelf, I mapped out every issue uh, of the problem, right from sourcing to producing to shipping. So I had this massive uh, roadmap that basically outlined what issues in the industry contributed to making it a problem. I spent the second half then mapping out solutions. So I, I, I started mapping out that, okay, I do not want to work in, in, in with a fabric that is, you know, so heavily entrenched in using insecticide, pesticide, damaging land, air, sea, and human quality of life. So what do I do differently about it? So then I had to start studying what the solutions are. And organic fabric basically works in a methodology where you're not heavily spraying, you're not spraying basically crop with insecticides and pesticides. You're working on rotation crop rotation and you're working on tilling the ground you're you're using natural um 
uh, there is biota in the in the land that can work towards tilling the the soil to prevent um you know the insecticides that the, the insects that basically attack the crop so using natural systems of um of of the ecosystem rather than chemical systems to be able to help growth of the crop so there were just different ways and methodologies that were used that were just much more um much more appealing because when you use natural conventional cotton you're depleting the earth of its of its resources you're injecting toxins into the earth those toxins are then going into air sea water so it's just like this non-stop issue of issues and how did uh, doing it differently by just using natural systems resulted in the organic in the choice of organic cotton then we looked at all of our packaging and so no actually before packaging it was the process so how do you gin it differently how do you weave it differently how do you dye it with dyes that marry back to the sustainability of the fabric so it was a journey it didn't happen overnight and even though i've spent so much time in the business of fashion i had to go and spend months in india really from factory to mill to dyeing house to really understand the components that could be done differently from the conventional approach to an organic approach so what are the list of dyes that you could use what are the what are the different printing techniques you can use how are they different and why are they better and how can they be married back to the organic fabric and it's it's pure nature of you know being chemical free then working with uh, gots which is a global organic textile standard which is the certification body on how um, you don't just get sustainable fabric but how do you authenticate the entire journey from from getting the seeds right to the finished product right so there was a lot of work that had to be done but all of it was important to get the whole value chain working in a way that was sustainable That's incredible, especially since as a relatively new mom, you know, I'm buying a lot of uh little little baby onesies for for little Jonathan and I never I guess I hadn't thought of I hadn't thought of the differences between cotton and organic cotton. Maybe in my head I was thinking, "Oh, cotton at least is better than polyester," but hearing what you say now is definitely something that I will and think that, more about yeah. yeah and that's why i chose to go into infant wear and baby wear and sh- you know because i my background was mostly in women's mm-hmm. but when i when i studied out the facts i was like which new mother will not care about having organic cotton clothing for her little one because think about it we are so mindful about what we put into our kids bodies and that's why we choose organic food but we are putting what we are putting on our children's body their skin their largest organ it matters too you know we we keep we keep their insides right by giving them organic food and not put organic clothes on their body when clothing is made you know with insecticides and pesticides and the very thing that we want to protect them from with green you know we have green cleaning liquids and organic food but we put on their skin which is their most delicate largest porous um organ we put you know and conventional uh, you know conventional cotton so that's a problem that needs to change and that's why when i studied out the facts i chose to go into children's wear because i thought it would be really really special for a new mom to have this product available to be able to clothe her young ones mm. 
Yeah, I think there. I think for everyone, there's probably a lot of new information or education or like awareness that needs to happen to to really know. Because in the store, you're just you know sometimes it's based solely on price, and sometimes it's on on the actual design itself. But that's definitely something that that I'll think about, and I hope others do. So you had mentioned earlier that there were a series of serendipitous moments. I'm curious, how does synchronicity and maybe spirituality incorporate into what you do? Wow. Someone asked uh, one of my colleagues at work, can you tell us all about the serendipitous moments? And she was like, all 3,000 of them? <laughs> because she was one of our, my first team team members and she got to witness uh, on a very close level, you know, um, the unfolding of so many really beautiful uh, things in the journey of Art and Eden. I'll tell you a couple. Um, six months before Art and Eden launched, uh, I called up Hope Worldwide, the same giving partners that had launched the meal program. And I said, hey, when my business launches, I want to be able to launch a medical program that ties in our a, cup, a percentage of our profits to bring medical aid to children in need. And they said, you are an answer prayer. And I'm like, tell me why. And I was, she, she was saying to me, Laurie was saying to me that um, we were just about to pull the financial aid to a medical program in Central America. And uh, we didn't have the funding in place. We've identified the need and we need a million multivitamins, but we don't have the funds to make it happen. I was like, Laurie, this is a tad too early. My business is going to launch in six months. And she was like, I understand. No problem. We'll pull out the program and we'll, we'll revisit in six months. I'm like, no, no, no. When do you need it? She says like yesterday. And I'm like, holy. And um, so... I, I said to her, okay, tell me how we can break this down into the smallest pieces that you need and give me the smallest amount that you need financially right now. Don't pull the plug on the program. Let's make it happen. Art and Eden was built to pay it forward. This is a test for us. So let's let's make it happen. Let's pay it forward. Let's see where it goes. And if I'm not able to make it with the business, I will pay you the, the full amount personally in time for sure. And so on that, we got the program rolling. And with my first two members, we went to El Salvador and we launched the medical program. It was so beautiful. And I think if you were to ask me, what is my best decision for Art in Eden? I think that was my best decision because we came back and it was amazing to see see what happened out there after we got funding in place. We uh, were reached out by um, Disney India to do a collaboration with them. Discovery and Animal Planet reached out to us to do a collaboration here. American Greetings reached out. We were this little, tiny little brand that had just come into existence. And we started getting all these amazing collaborations. Six months in, we were voted the best new brand in the United States 21 months in, we have been recognized as the most sustainable and socially responsible brand. And it's just, it's really, really beautiful watching how this is all coming together. The uh, ex-global president of Ralph Lauren reached out to me and said, hey, I, I watched a video and read a couple of press articles about you. I want to help you uh, build Art in Eden. And I was like, George, I don't think I can afford you. <laughs> and he was like, I want to do this gratis. I want this to be my contribution to the business of fashion. This industry has given me everything and I want, I want, it's payback time for me. So I want to help you see your goals to reality. And he's been 
uh, opening up such amazing international doors and opportunities. It's 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 humbling to witness this. You know, it's humbling to witness how how these pieces are coming together in such effortless ease. But I I really attribute it to that first act of giving that we did with the medical aid program that we did. Because it was just beautiful to watch after that. Because it's not it's not within my power to witness, uh, you know, to bring uh, the ex global president of Ralph Lauren into it. It just happened. It just you know he reached out. It's just beautiful to watch. That's just fantastic, yeah. and and a true example of of when you uh, align with with really love and giving and caring and how that then becomes full circle you know it's you then become a magnet for for all of these opportunities as well and and it's likely really hard and it may not have been the case for you but i'm curious to know in that moment when you were probably had your rational brain on and your um you know loving and you know impactful brain if you can describe it like that was there a moment where you were kind of filtering or maybe flow charting all the things you had to think about, especially as you were launching in the next six months and this this opportunity that you felt was was serendipitous. What what was going on in your mind, if you can break it down for us, because I think a lot of people may be in similar shoes, but then they they choose they lead with a certain mind. They might lead with their rational mind or lead with um something else. I think only you could ask me this question, Julie. <laughs> I am amazed that you would ask me this because, yes, there was a very definite event or thought process that went through this. So here I am. I pick up the phone. I speak to them. They tell me that I'm an answered prayer. I'm saying, where are you? Where is um, this launching? And she says, Central America. And the moment she gives me the name of the countries in my rational brain starts making my mental arguments, not my country of sale, not my country of origin, not my kids. I have no money. I have not launched the business. I don't know whether it's going to work. I mean, everything that you could possibly conceive of raised its head. And I was thinking as as I was talking to her, I'm, I'm raising all these barriers when the very thing I asked her, when I called for a medical program, there's a very real medical program. These are very real children. doesn't matter if it's not my country of sale, but all of these walls that I'm raising in my brain is not allowing me to see the opportunity for which I call her. And um, I began to think in that moment, as she's talking to me, my head is making all these arguments for and against it. And I was like, you know, I built this business to care. I built this business with the idea of paying it forward. And here I'm confronted with the very thing I built it for. What is my choice going to be? I asked her for a couple of minutes and I said, I really want to do this. It's exactly what I want to do. How do we make this happen? Can you work with me? So I, I, had, I had to argue in my head. I had to allow my rational brain to walk me through the reasons why it would not work. And then also try to analyze, is there a semblance of a chance that we could? And even if there was a small semblance of a chance that I could make it work, how could I approach it in a way that does not swing my financial situation, totally tipping it because I was first building a business and I recognize that it 
it is a venture social that the business had to come first because I could not do any good in the world without having a business to support it. So having the business work was very important. So, but how could you break this down? How could you also, um, you know, find a, a solution towards all the reasons why you can't are the reasons why you can. And in that argument, the can won over the can't. So I'm really glad we did it. And um, it was a process. It was, I think, a good one and a half hour call with lots of back and forth of trying to figure out. And then the idea of let's break this down and let's break this down into installments and let's take the smallest installment right now that we need the medical program. So really analysis of how to make it work and the desire to make it work, I think, is why we made it work. Hmm. I love that. Thank you for for entertaining me and kind of going through that thought process because it's it's something that that I think will illuminate for a lot of people and, and reflect in their minds yes. exactly what they're going through, whether it's a business decision or maybe it's their own, you know, choice of career or whatever it may be. Because it I, I like how you acknowledged the the rational um things you, that you did have to think about. This was real. You know, these were things that you were facing. And then you took a, a, I'd say it's like a melded approach that was both rational and intuitive, where you were, number one, as you said, you were committed to making it work. You had yep. this desire to, to make it work and then looked at what was possible. You know, how can you make it work? And then, then into the nitty gritty of you know, what that actually meant. I think a lot of people then, um, they might see all the reasons where it can't work and then skip over all the ways it can work and the nitty gritty there. Um, and then ultimately, they're not in the same boat that you are in, where it really allows for all of these serendipitous right. opportunities to come about. Right. Fantastic. Has that, has that, if you see it as a system, has that replicated itself? Like, have you applied the same um, uh, mentality or, or heart elsewhere, uh, either within your business or within your life that then also came about, you know, all of these different opportunities? Uh, I have a, I rely on my intuitive strengths a lot. Um, I'm pretty good, I would say, with more success than not on relying on gut and relying on what is my first feel about the situation. Um, there are many times where I have to argue pro and against. And um, just like a very simple thing about when we got launched, we got reached out by so many partners to collaborate with because we built such a beautiful business. And how do you choose one from another? All of them are so... Um, uh, reputed and have such a great following and such a great message. So how do you make choices? I think the process of um, pros and cons and really weighting the average between the two of them has been very effective for me in being able to um, marry rationale with emotion. Um, and I do that mostly for important decisions. Like right now I'm uh, meeting a a varied subset of um, investors that we're looking to the next, um, you know, phase of growth of our business. And you're meeting such amazing people 
But once I write it down and say, okay, here are all the reasons I must work with this person. And here are the, the reasons which are not so attractive. And when I do a weighted average and uh, the score comes up, it helps me see um, the decision from a very practical, objective manner because it's these are decisions that are going to be uh, forever with you, right? It's not like I'm... I'm embarking with an investor for uh, two months. It's going to be a marriage. It's going to be a lifetime. So how do you make the best decision with all of the facts and do it in a manner that you're marrying your best intuitive guess as well as uh, the rationale behind it? So whether it's choosing fabrics, how we build, building our business, how we choosing fabrics, how we, um, um, you know, choose our partners and our collaborations, our investors. So there's this, always this math going on between trying to marry the what comes instinctively and what comes with with thought and rational so i'm it's it's a varied degree depending upon what the outcome is so if it's a small decision it goes very quickly it doesn't have to be a chart or whatever but if there it's a big decision involving big impact or big implications and i make sure that i'm 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 writing it down and i'm mapping it out up next I'll be sharing an intuitive reading that I did for Susan. She's been so amazing sharing her gifts and really this vision that she has for the planet through her work. And now it's my turn to share a little gift with her. Are you interested in getting your own intuitive reading? Are you wondering how you can align more with your purpose? I offer introductory sessions to my Discover Your Purpose readings and coaching. As part of the All Possibilities community, you get 10% off the intro session. You get a one-on-one phone call with me where I'll do an assessment of your life and give you an intuitive reading on the highest guidance for you at this time. You'll get actionable steps that you can get started on to create the life you want. Just use All Possibilities 2018 as the promo code. That's All Possibilities 2018. Visit beingmypurpose.com for more information on my services. Okay. So Susan, I had done an intuitive reading for you beforehand. It's in my phone. And how I work is I just connect with your name and your email address, which really is um, kind of zoom, zooming into your energetic imprint. And then I channel words. I get thought impressions and I'm typing. So I type out a few paragraphs of text where I ask, what is the highest guidance for you at this time? And I just receive, I'm sort of like a scribe. And then every so often I might hear, okay, it's time for an image. And so I'll sit back and I'll close my eyes and I'll see uh, an image, kind of like a streaming video. I might feel emotion. I might uh, see different colors. I might um, know certain things. And all of this is usually a metaphor. So metaphors are quite complex. It represents and symbolizes a number of things. And I find it's a way of communicating a message to you. So um, I've received maybe around three paragraphs for you. And every so often, uh, there are words that are in all caps. So that means that these words are capitalized or just more important they're emphasized and the 
visual signal I'll give you is I'll hold my fingers up like this as I'm saying these words to you to say that these words are ca capitalized. And my uh, audio signal is I'll just say all caps after that particular word. But I'll email this to you so that you are uh, very aware of, of what they're trying to say. And uh, the th last thing is it refers to you in third person. So it refers to you as Susan, she, her, those pronouns, and refers to me as you because I'm the one seeing and experiencing all of this. So, uh, yeah, so I will read this verbatim to you. And as you listen, just follow along with the imagery, allow yourself to feel it, allow yourself to um, just let any ideas, any thoughts, any um, maybe it tr triggers a memory or a story, something like that to come through. And then afterwards, I will ask you, how does this resonate and what does it bring up for you? And we'll just use that as a jumping off for a conversation. Sure. Awesome. Love that. Cool. All right. So for you, I asked, what is the highest guidance for her at this time? And it says, you saw a beautiful flower. Its petals huge and somewhat frilly at its edges, soft and rosy. It felt like it was a lamp, a beacon of light, all caps, that reminded you of the paintings by Georgia O'Keeffe, but a little brighter and truer to life. The flower represented her ability to show different sides of her on display, all caps like a piece at a museum or a high-end lamp shop that was designed to be eye-catching, not just shed light. So in that moment, I saw this kind of flower as a lamp. What trips her up is when she forgets that she has this ability, all caps, to absorb attention and to give off a sense of serenity, all caps, purity, all caps, and complexity, all caps, while also having the main function of lighting the way for others. We recommend that she remind herself of this ability to be in the midst of people and to embrace her performance, all caps, side, her performance side. It is a subtle performance but one that can move people and serve as a foundation, all caps, of peace for people she may not even know. And the image that I saw is a continuation of this metaphor. It says, you saw the flower in front of you, a mix between an orchid and a tulip. Its colors a mix of rosy pink, peach, and pale white. The inside of the flower was glowing bright. You looked inside the flower and saw the inner glow golden and soft. So in that moment, I kind of, in my image, looked literally like diving into the flower and saw the glow coming out of it. You felt at peace and in awe, like peering inside a snow globe witnessing a scene of purity and pure beauty. And so the action step, this is something for you to reflect on and take action on. It says, 
reflect on her life and see where she feels she represents this symbol. In what ways does she give off this sense of peace, beauty, and light? Where does she not see herself as this? And how can she embrace her beauty? All caps. So that's the end of the reading. I'd love to hear how this resonates for you. So oh what it gosh. brings up. It's intense. Oh my gosh. Wow. Wow. I need a moment. <laughs> because a it's moment. so intense. And everything that you described about the flower is the cotton. It's, you know, from where this whole started, the cotton, it's white, it's pure, it's golden, it's like all of that. And that's the flower from this whole, from where it all started. And it's just crazy. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh. I, 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 I can't even believe what you just said. And, you know, um, and even the discovery of finding myself through this and the whole new person that I have become by virtue of this journey and where it's taking me. And I'm, I'm blown away by your intuitive reading and to think that you don't even know me and you didn't even know what I did. And, you know, it's crazy. It's awesome. <laughs> Thank you. It works. You. It works. It works. Wow. This world is amazing. Wow. Amazing. Yeah, and I'm I'm very intrigued by the capital performance as well because we are at a very um, pivotal point in our journey where performance is you know um, digital, you know, e um, sorry, offline, online, multi-channel, global. There's just so many things, and that we have to perform with excellence. So that's been front and center of my mind. Um, so it's really cool that. You brought up what you did. I'd love to have a copy of that. Oh, yes. Well. I'll definitely email it to you. Yes, it's awesome. Nice. Yeah, it, we can unpack it a little bit more. It mentioned uh, kind of being on display. So when I saw the flower, it was front and center. It was very beautiful. And I realized that I, like, I couldn't put my finger on what it was. So I was like, it's kind of like an orchid. kind of like a tulip. But... It, I was describing it to the best of my ability and and it it felt I don't even know how to describe it it was it felt like its beauty was on display that part of its element was a a kind of performance like it was meant to be seen it was meant to that all of the little um little characteristics that I mentioned, like the frilliness, the rosy pink, the peach, the the glow inside, the light the lightness of its glow. It was meant to be seen. It was meant to be uh, a performance. It was meant to be a display. Performance not in an inauthentic way, more it was just meant to engender awe and beauty in the people who saw it and experienced it. Having said that, what does what does that bring up for you in terms of how you think about about your business or or really anything like what what does it bubble up for you i think a couple of things the the word display and um brings up a couple of things as 
I'm one who was never, I never thought of myself as a public speaker, or I could engage in a conversation with 200 people sitting down in a room with no issues, but ask me to stand and deliver the same thing, and that would be a problem. So just this whole journey of being able to talk about the business, standing in front of an audience, being at New York Stock Exchange, being at FIT, and really being in some way, form on display uh, and delivering the me- a message of business as a force for good. Um, it took a journey. It took a journey of learning and it took a journey of discovering. It took a journey of believing and putting my out- myself out there and picking myself and saying, okay, you can do this. Let's go. And, you know, so that that journey of what it took to to change and evolve as as this new way forward or this new business model or the pioneer of this new business model. I mean, that that was a whole process in and of itself. And I just marvel as I hear you read as I did not even realize it. But now as you I read your intuitive reading, it really came to all the little pieces that were in play to make it happen. It really started unfolding in front of my mind. Amazing. So what does that inspire you to embrace maybe in the future? Just the constant learning and growing and evolving, realizing that, you know, success is not a destination. It's a journey. And it's a journey of significance. It's a journey of caring and a consistent learning, growing, evolving and realizing there's so much beneath the layers. Like what we, I realized the time I started Art in Eden, I had not even tipped the iceberg on what I could and couldn't do. And so many of my perceptions of what I could and couldn't do were not accurate. It was based on the framework of what I believed could or could not be done. But the moment I started deep diving, I was able to do many things that I fundamentally thought that was not possible to do. So really learning, growing, evolving and seeking out change consistently, I think, was uh, the fun part of my awakening. The reading also had uh, mentioned in its action step let me see so it talked about this flower being the sense of peace beauty and light where does she not where does she not see herself as this and how can she embrace her beauty i think one area that i i would really love for me to work on is the ability to consistently slow down. Um, I was in the business of fast fashion prior to building out Art in Eden, and everything was about speed. It was how do you bring the latest and the greatest trends, quickest and cheapest to market? How fast can you do this? And I was also an athlete prior to that. So speed was something that became a part of my system. And in order to be caring and compassionate, one has to slow down and consider all costs. And that doesn't come easy to me. My default setting is speed. Um, So while I have to make very conscious decisions about how do you care more about the business we're building, the choices we make with fabric, it's, it's it's a slower, conscious decision that as I said, does not come easy. So that's something I really would love to be able to work on and and get better at. So I think I would make much, I would be much better as a person. I would come out much better if I was a little slower in, in the pace in which I can take on things. Mm. That's interesting because I remember as I was doing the reading, I 
all I saw was the flower and all of its details and its many layers. It's almost like if you have many different petals overlapping one mm. another, and you kind of peer in and you see, you just see different facets. And my my own ego mind was like, okay, like what else? <laughs> like is is this flower moving? Like is it doing something? If, normally, I see streaming video, kind of the like an actual movement going on, and it was just. Really, that was all it is. It was just looking at the flower and seeing the glow of light, and so that actually makes a lot of sense because it—that—that's all there is. It is. That's really all that's important is the glow of light that coming out of it. It's the peace, the beauty, the serenity, and and I think when you focus on that, everything will come to pass. Yeah, that's beautiful, Julie. Yeah, it's awesome. So I'll leave that with you. Thank you. And. How are we on time? We're like a show over. Okay. All right. So, Susan, how can people get in touch with you and learn more about your work? Uh, my website is artineden.com and any uh, email address on the website would be able to connect back with me. Um, Facebook, Instagram, our others, LinkedIn, our other uh, social media channels that, that I'm connected on and under Susan Correa. Um, would love to connect with anyone who wants to talk more or understand more about business and happy to help in any way I can. Thank you. You're so welcome. Well, it's been incredible having you on the show and hearing about these beautiful serendipitous stories and, and congratulations on creating Art in Eden in this amazing way for the planet. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was uh, such a joy to share the story with you. Thanks. And for you... Let's see how you can channel a bit of Susan in your life and see how you can bring that caring light into your own community. Maybe it's your family, it's a loved one, maybe it's for people you don't even know, it's helping out uh, a charity. Bring that force for good into what you do this week. Let me know how it goes. I'm Julie Chan, and until next time, be on the lookout for all possibilities. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at All Possible Show. Episodes are available on iTunes, Google Play, and our website, allpossibilitiesshow.com. This show is produced by Mouth Media Network. No portion of the show may be distributed or published without the expressed written permission of the producers. Thank you for joining us. This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.